0: Welcome to episode twenty-two of Fergo and the Freak. I'm that bloke from Rugby League Project, Andrew Ferguson. You can find me on Twitter at Andrew Joining me once again is League Freak, who you can find on Twitter at League Freak. How you going there, mate?
1: I'm going pretty good. I'm looking forward to this episode, as I always say. I need to stop saying that, and um, let's see how we go. This will be fun. We we should actually get. I'm pretty good putting on a coffee cup, maybe. I'm pretty good. Yeah, maybe. I'm pretty good.
0: Pretty good, yeah. Uh, yeah, today we're going to look at the all of the 2019 NRL coaches. Now, obviously, we've done a few in-depth ones already, so we'll skim over those pretty quickly when we get to mm-hmm. them. Yeah. Um. So yeah, how shall we do this? Do you reckon alphabetical <laughs> order?
1: Yeah, I reckon alphabetical order it'll mix it up a little bit. Um, I think the table way. I mean, obviously, if you go you know down the table to the top, you get to the top coaches. You're like, yeah, I think they're doing an alright job. So we'll do it in alphabetical order, so it mixes it up a little bit.
0: Alrighty, sounds good. So we'll start with Brad Arthur, who we've already done an entire episode on. Yeah, um, Paramount should never have resigned him. The nope. club's sort of fifty-fifty. Mm-hmm. That's not good enough,
1: but they seem to be happy with it. So. What can you do? You know they're five and five this season, and they've got him locked in until two thousand and the start of two thousand
0: twenty-two. So, well done, yeah, Expect more of that, I guess, Para. Yeah, <laughs> um, we'll jump on then to Craig Bellamy
1: at the Storm. Yeah, job on the line, Craig Bellamy. Now nah, he's look. The thing about, I mean, how many players can they lose and still be really, really good? At this point, it's disgusting. Um, I'm sick of it. Um, but how good is Craig Bellamy? I, like, I still consider him the best coach in the game by quite some way. I think we've got to the
0: point where everyone always talks about when it comes to coaches and clubs. Everyone talks about the players on the field, mm-hmm. and they've always talked about the big three at the Storm. There's the big yeah. two, and then you're one. And going, surely at some point we're going to say it's not the three blokes that were on the field, or the two, or the one. It's that bloke who's out there in the in the coach's box swearing like a sailor every fucking week. <laughs> He's That's so the angry because I mean you only got to look at what happened after that that game against the Sharks where they should have won. And mm-hmm. no no disrespect to the Sharks, they did a remarkable effort and to win that yeah. game with the squad they had, especially. Mm-hmm. Um, but he came out and pretty much said, "Right, all your jobs are on the line." And mm-hmm. then they came out and just belted Parramatta sixty four ten only. And- only yeah. Bellamy can
1: get that sort of response out of players, I think, in in one one sort of line. Yeah, he's. Uh, and the thing is, too, like, there are plenty of players in that team that are not household names, and yet they're just one of the best teams in the comp every single year. They lose all time great talent, and they just replace them. And the thing is, too, it's. They're such a great club all around that there's always somebody that you know like you know that when Cameron Smith retires, they'll be fine. Um, they're always fine and and it's incredible to have a coach like that. I think he's the best coach of all time. He's
0: for me, he's he's the second best coach of all time, only behind, you know, some bloke from decades ago, Arthur Halloway. Mm-hmm. And it's only based on the number of premierships that that Halloway had. Mm. Um, we'll do an episode on him. That was incredible yeah. when we were talking about him. Yeah, it's phenomenal. But, yeah, I I put him above Bennett. I really do. Mm. Yeah, um, same here. Just the longevity, that one big stint. Sure, it's been at one club, which does make it a bit easier. Mm-hmm. But to be able to do it in such a remote area where he doesn't have any junior nursery to work with, he's got to deal with juniors that are two states away from him, mm-hmm. up in up in Brisbane, pretty much. That's where all his juniors are based. Um. Yeah, it, it's just phenomenal, and to keep keep producing top of the table type performances, and still it get makes, wins when teams aren't perform, when the team isn't performing well, it
1: still manage to get them to get wins. Um, yeah, just unbelievable. Makes players better too, which is the important yeah. thing. Um, he can take an average player and turn them into a really really important player in a premiership winning team. And we've also seen the opposite when players have left Melbourne. And they go to other clubs. They can be the star signing of those other clubs, and they just play so so, or they play poorly. Um, and that's the sign of, of the impact that Bellamy has on these players. It's incredible. Exactly right. He's uh, yeah.
0: The big problem that Melbourne has is the day he decides he wants to quit because they won't be sacking him. There'll yeah. come a day when he says I can't do this anymore, or I don't want to do this anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, so I long I long had a theory that the smart option for, for Melbourne would be to have Cameron Smith retire and be Bellamy's understudy. Yeah. Because he spent his whole career under him. He knows how he works. He knows what works. Mm-hmm. Plus, Cameron Smith, just he has a brain for the game. Yeah. You see it on the field every time. He knows when to when to change things up. He knows when to inject himself differently. Um, that sort of knowledge. He'd be one of the few players who'd go from being
1: a great player into being being a great coach, which doesn't happen often.
2: Yeah. I and, think
1: Melbourne have, there to do that. and Melbourne have had a few players like that too. I just wonder with um, Cameron Smith, if he would have to retire as a referee as well to do that. So <laughs> <laughs> it's funny, you know, it's,
0: it's, it's a good joke that gets plenty of mileage and so yeah. it should. Yeah. Um, but it's, it's funny that, that I find it always amusing too, that he gets ripped on for that. When all he's doing is talking politely to the referee, yeah. which yeah. everyone should be bloody well doing. Yeah, like, why, exactly. Haven't you caught on yet? It works.
1: Look. <laughs> We're yeah. getting shitty out of that the ref doesn't do anything. The other <laughs> thing is too, is like you talk this is a guy who has been like a long term Australian captain. It's not like he's just some bludger, you know. This is a guy that deserves the referee's respect as well. And he does he does it really well, he always goes up to them he's he's pretty uh respectful he'll have a bit of a cheeky laugh with them every so often and you know instead of bagging him, a lot of other captains should really be looking at what he does and trying to emulate it because he he's really good at it
0: yeah it just turns he turns up so casual to them. I mean I remember there was even um some games where I think you could even hear him call the referee sir just went, yeah it's almost like he's parroting himself. <laughs> mm.
1: <laughs> oh, yeah, it's like he's no. It's like he goes up to the referees, and he's playing that game. It's like yeah. this is I'm supposed to call you sir, so I'm gonna. You know yeah. that sort of thing. He's trolling himself. Yeah, it, it's yeah. It's phenomenal, but um, yeah, I you just can't that. argue
0: with the results. It's yeah. um, I I like calling him a referee, but at the same time, I look at it and go, it's smart because he's just being polite, and it's a yeah. smart thing to do, and it works, and everyone it's hates really, him for it. It's, <laughs> it's just. Yeah. It's it's hilarious, <laughs> um, so yeah. I mean, Bellamy's job is safe for as long as he wants it. There's no doubt there. He can he yep. can afford three or four wooden spoons before they even start knocking him on the door. Yeah, one hundred percent. Next, to him, we're going from one safe coach to another, and that's Wayne Bennett. Mm-hmm. The only thing that Wayne Bennett's got going against him is the clock.
1: Yeah, he's it's a fucker. <laughs> yeah, it's a bit dark, but yeah. Although he's, he does um... still sling it, so good luck to him. <laughs> <laughs> um, And he's, you know, the, the way I would describe Wayne Bennett in the last number of years now is an opportunist. And that's not a bad thing. That's a good thing. I think he picks and chooses the right opportunities to go to. And once again, he's done it with South and he's done it brilliantly. Because South, I, I think most coaches, you could put them in coaching South right now and they'd get – Exactly the same results. Souths have played brilliantly this year. They've got lots of depth. Uh, They've got players who were young players that got experience and winning experience, and those young players are now in the prime of their careers. Um, So, yeah, Bennett's just probably the easiest job of his whole career, wouldn't you say? Absolutely. And look,
0: um, he would have done a sterling job at the Panthers too because the... You, you tend to see he likes to go to teams that have a good ready-made forward pack ready to go, mm-hmm. and Penrith do have that. They're just not yeah. firing this year, but um, he would have got them up for, for games every week, no doubt, just like he has with
1: South, just like he did with the Broncos for all those years and the Dragons. Um, yeah, that's his strength, and that's what he even did with the England team. I don't know if Wayne Bennett is the guy that is going to take an all-right team and change them enough to give them an edge to win a premiership. But he doesn't have to do that at South. South already have that edge. Yeah, they've got um, that premiership winning squad already assembled. Yeah, so
0: he's, a very got to him around. job for him, yeah. Yeah, no, he's... Uh, yeah, Penrith missed out a big one there. It's easy to say in Can we I mean, just, it's, it's can move on in from
1: Penrith, please? I well, don't but, want to talk about Penrith! Well, it could keep
0: going on, yeah, because the next one is going to be former Penrith coach Garth Brennan. And uh, he's his form with the as a coach, yeah. Uh, it's very Penrith like this. Year. It really is.
1: He really Just, looks like a Penrith coach. Um, well,
0: yeah. The problem he's got, and it's, we we're discussing this earlier, and the problem we've, we've found with Garth Brennan is throughout his entire first grade career as a coach, which obviously isn't long. Um, he finds it hard to settle on a set seventeen for more than a week. And you can't be you can't be constantly churning your side and churning moving players around all the time and expecting to get different
1: results. Yeah. And the other thing is too, like he's if he had a really poor lineup, you'd say, look, you've got to give him time, but his lineup isn't that bad. Um, you know, there's some really handy plays in that Titans team. And because he keeps changing it all the time, like I feel like what he needs to do is just settle on his best side. And they're not going to be one of the top sides this year. They were never going to do that. They were probably always going to miss the eight and probably be in the lower third of the table. But it's not helping that no one is settled in that team, really. And he just needs to settle on the lineup and stick with it um, because he's coaching himself out of a a job right now. Pretty much.
0: I think he's been horribly misusing Tyrone Peachy, uh, mm. just parking him out at centre out there and not getting him enough quality ball. Yeah. Um, I'd I'd probably prefer to see Peachy at five-eighth. I know they've got Tyrone Robertson, but uh, I think Peachy's too good to be sitting on the bench or parked out on the edge somewhere. I think they need to get the ball in his hand more often um, and have him running with it a bit more often with option runners either side of him. Too often he's just sort of
1: given the ball in a a Hail Mary moment. Do something, Tyrone. You're on the big money. (laughs) Exactly. And that's not his game. And, like, even if you play him in the centres to start the game, he should be roving a lot of the time anyway. He's not the player that, as you say, park out, you know, on the edge and just toss him the ball and be like, all right, now it's your turn. It's just not his game. And Brennan should know that. Yeah, it's... It's it's rather disappointing because I, had, I actually thought the
0: Titans would be quite a better performed side this year with just with the inclusion of Peachy in the side. Yeah. But he's just being misused. He's just doing the same thing that Hain was doing there, which was also ineffective.
1: Yeah. I, look, I wouldn't be shocked if, if Peachy at some point asked to be released so he could go back to Penrith. I don't know how Penrith are with the salary cap, but it wouldn't shock me at all if that happened. Um he can't be happy he can't be happy there in terms of football. Then again, he's living on the Gold Coast, so maybe he's really happy, but um it's just not been a good move for his career. I mean no. he's gone from being a New South Wales player to being somebody that doesn't look good in first grade. Just somebody that plays for the Titans. Yeah, jeez. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Sorry, Titans fans, if there are any. Yeah. Um <laughs> <laughs> That was a sorry, not sorry moment right there. Yeah, harsh um, for <laughs> fair. We'll move on next to, uh, I think we've gone through pretty quick too, Nathan Brown at the Knights. Now, he signed that rather unique contract deal last year where it was sort of performance-based more than anything, which I actually thought was a pretty smart thing because it's, it's putting the pressure on him and the team, I guess, if they want to be together.
1: Yeah, exactly. So gotta it's not just together. on
0: him, it's on the Knights as well. Yeah, so I thought it was a pretty smart thing, and he's in a situation where he, he's chopped and changed the team, you know, too much in the last few years. But he's starting starting to settle on um, a lot of key combinations in the team. But yeah. he's still struggling to find a halves part, a halves pairing that he likes. I mean, he had a new one again last week, man. With um, with, was it Mann and Pierce in the halves? Yeah, and yeah. Watson's on the bench, and just think. You've got to find a spine and stick with it. That's the first thing you've got to try and do. And all those combinations you've got around that on the edges will all just start to work a lot more uh, fluently, I guess. So I think the smart thing for him is, obviously he should be aspiring to get in the top eight this year, but next year, next to no changes to that roster. Because I think if he does that, they will be a top six side next year.
1: Yeah, and they'll have players that will continue to develop in that team, importantly. Um, I think that one of the good things he did was get the most out of, um, and I always forget his name, the forward. What's his name? Oh Clemmer. Clemmer, yes. Completely turned Clemmer's career around, in my opinion, which is a really good sign. And then the other thing is, too, like on the weekend, and they've had some terrible losses this year, Newcastle, where I've thought that was it for Brown. But that win last weekend, something clicked for them. And look, the Dragons weren't good, but the Knights played like a team that, as you say, was starting to settle in to what they should be doing. It was a fantastic win. The scoreline probably flattered the Dragons to a certain extent. Um but they had that game well in hand, Newcastle, and a really probably his best win as a coach at Newcastle, and maybe his best win as an NRL coach, I would say. It was just a dominant performance against a team that really should have smacked them.
0: Yeah, no, they were they were pretty untouchable. And against the Dragon side too, which looks to be um as you said in earlier episode two. That that hard fast style that they were playing is starting to catch up with them, and so they look like mm. they're slowly coming down a bit. And yeah. the knights just run over them everywhere.
1: Yeah, it was a shocking performance by um, the dragons. I, I put, I actually put a bet on them to win by plus thirteen, and like ten minutes into the game, that was done. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's uh, that'll be when you'd be forgetting. They've got a real acid yeah.
0: test though this weekend because they come up for, well for the next. Three weeks, because mm-hmm. they've got the Roosters this weekend. South uh, two weeks after that, they've got a bye between, and then they play the Storm after that.
1: Wow, what? That's the worst run. That's and it. That's the very worst run.
0: The Roosters game is at home. The other two are away. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, then they get the Broncos after that. So they've they've got a rough wow. rough next month coming up. June that's is going to be hard time for them.
1: Yeah, that, look, so, if they lost all three of them, they would probably be looking, all or, or four of those games, they'd probably be looking just to keep the scores reasonable against them teams, I would suggest. They'll be learning. That's a learning opportunity for that team.
0: Yeah, the only thing that's going to save them is um, Origin call-offs, I guess, for, mm-hmm. for South and Melbourne. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But if if Cameron Smith decides not like, to play Origin, which I, I don't think he'll play Origin, yeah. Um yeah, they they may find that a little bit easier, but uh it's it's looking like it could get pretty rough for them. there. Mm-hmm. So, we'll see how they go there. That's it's a reasonably good run after that out of the out of those four weeks, so mm-hmm. um mind you they do have quite a few rogue games at the end of the year. Yeah. Um so
1: yeah, I look I, I still think that they're capable of finishing in the top 8. Yeah, I think that if they If they can just pick up your look, as you say, if they can get even one win from that run um, because one of the teams or two of the teams have lost a few players to origin, and they could. They could. If they play like they did on the weekend, they're at least a bottom eight team um, in terms of being in the top eight. They, They could jag, say, eighth place or something. Um, and they're playing better than a lot of the teams that are outside the eight right now, that's for sure.
0: Yeah, they certainly are. Um, and as I said, if they can keep that squad together for next year, um, they will be much better for the run too. Definitely, most definitely. Alrighty, righty. Uh, next coach. Oh, yes, okay. Mm-hmm. Ivan Cleary. Yeah. Ivan, Ivan Cleary. Now, this bloke had, let's be honest, Zero excuses for this performance so far. None.
1: He's yeah. like having the – he's having – it's it's between him and Ivan Malat as having the worst run for an Ivan in Sydney right now.
2: <laughs> Let me tell you.
1: It's, uh, he's walked into a team that was a top-four team that didn't really lose any players that were important to the club, settled line-up, ready to rock and roll, and they have been – well, they're in last place. Terrible.
0: And it's 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 nonsense because he's not a bad coach, but he's gonna be copping it over this because the Panthers should be high up on the ladder. They should be in the top five or five. Yeah. Yeah, four or five. Um, Penrith made a huge mistake, obviously as we've discussed, getting rid of Griffin. And they did that because they thought they were going to lose Nathan Cleary, despite the fact Nathan was fully committed to Penrith and hadn't made no no suggestions he was going to leave the club. Yeah, there was some talk that the Tigers were going to try and poach him so that he could have the two linked up at the Tigers there. But I don't even think the Tigers ever had the money to afford Nathan Cleary, and I think most of the league would have known that. Yeah, but they still got scared and made this big move, and it's made even worse for Penrith by the fact
1: that the Tigers are doing better than them.
0: Yeah, yeah. It's, it's just and... more. It's just salt in the wound.
1: Yeah, and you look at what Maguire, and we'll talk about this a little bit later on, but you look at what Maguire has done with a Tigers side that is a little bit, bits and pieces in their lineup. It's not like this type, the Tigers are set. Um, and he's just got them playing with so much effort. And they're not as good as a lot of teams in terms of talent, but they're just trying really hard. And Cleary has the complete opposite problem. He has as talented a squad as most of the top four teams, I would say. And yet they're playing like crap. And it's not just that they're losing games that, um, you know, they've made mistakes in or something. They're not playing with any effort or energy or heart or discipline. Like they're just not playing with anything. That's a positive. They're playing like complete garbage. And when you look at the thing that changed at the club, it was really just Ivan Cleary.
0: Yeah, I mean,
1: even those...
0: Up until Round 7, like the games they were losing, they were were still close games, you know. They're only losing by a trial, so here or there, Mm -hmm. um, other than the Storm game, really. Um, And the Storm were pretty average in that game. It was not a convincing performance by them. So, but the last three weeks, and they've let in 30 points in every game the last three weeks, they're getting... They're getting further and further away from where they should be instead of getting closer to it. And that's the big problem is the cohesion within the side is not a problem because this is basically the same side as last year. So the combinations are all good and set. There's no drama there. Mm -hmm. The spine has been, especially the halves, have been rock solid all year as far as there's been no injuries and no chopping and changing and stuff there. Mm -hmm. There's just... You just can't find an excuse for the performance. And if the players aren't putting in hard enough, then again, the coach has to bear the responsibility
1: of getting them up to the level where they need to be. And it's just not happening. Yeah, and like on the weekend at home, they got absolutely smashed by a Warriors team that's, you know, below 500. Uh And it was never close. From the very beginning, the Warriors had that game. And they really just made the Panthers look terrible. And the Penrith fans were booing them off the field. And deservedly so. Uh, If Ivan Cleary had been at the club all of this time, and even if he was the one who took them into the top four last year, I suggest he would have been fired by now. I think that that would have been his last game. The problem is the Panthers can't afford it they'd be paying out millions of dollars to him. as And they're probably still playing, paying money to Griffin. Um, this is a really bad situation they're in. And, you know, you ask you want to ask yourself, can Ivan Cleary turn it around? But the problem is, he, he might be the problem for them turning from a top four team into the last place on the ladder. It's a horrible situation that, this club finds themselves in now. Now I'm calling themselves this club instead of us. How about that? <laughs> but, <laughs> well, the problem yeah. I'm seeing too, okay, is that the first thing you, that tends to happen when
0: a, when a club goes through a bad patch like this mm-hmm. is the club watermaker thinks, right, we need to change the roster. Problem is mm-hmm. the roster's fine. But there's not too much you'd want to change in that roster. There's already, there's already talk about, you know, I don't know if there's any validity to it, but there's already talk that Maloney's looking at it move over to Super League and stuff like that. I know he's downplayed some rumours that um, Buzz Rothfield started up on Twitter about him not being happy. Yeah. Um, so i take all that with a pinch of salt, to be honest. But, Is Maloney ever not happy? He seems like a happy guy. <laughs> yeah, but you know what? It works for him. He's, yeah. he's happy off the field. He just gets yeah. cranky on the field. He's got that yeah. white line fever thing going on. Yeah, true. But um, there's no doubting he's a quality player and he's still playing, you know, pretty damn good footy. He's just trying to do too much at the moment. He's trying so hard to try and get the team across the line for a win that it's hampering his own abilities to some extent. It sounds weird, but it's, it's kind of the impression you get. Um,
1: yeah, an experienced player like him too, He their forwards have been the worst forwards in the NRL by a long, long way. And he, at some point he has got to be thinking to himself, look, I've got to try something here. And because they're all playing poorly, it's just not working. And so, like, I don't mind when a player tries something and it doesn't come off. Um, And I guess the other thing for him is he would be conscious of the fact that he has a young halfback next to him who he probably wants to do well by and not just leave it onto his shoulders. A lot of people have been criticising Cleary I don't think you can criticise him. He's he's a young halfback. He's still learning the game. It's not like he's stuffing up. It's not like he's making mistakes. He's just playing behind a, a well, well, well beaten forward pack every single week. And there's not much that a halfback of any calibre can do if they are playing behind this Panthers pack who is just gutless. And it's probably the first time he's
0: in his first grade career anyway, that he's actually played behind a team getting, a forward pack that's getting roundly thrashed every week. Yeah. So it's, he's learning something new about this as well, which is, it's not a good lesson to learn, but you know, he's, he's learning on the trot every week at the moment on how to deal with a team where the forwards are getting smashed. And the only thing he's been guilty of, in my opinion, is the same thing that he sort of did in Origin, where he just sort of drifts in and out of games a bit too much. Mm-hmm. But Maloney's class enough to see when that's happening, and he takes over to yeah. to reduce the impact of that, which is why I don't blame Maloney or Cleary there. They're too much rest on the forwards, not not making those moves. They're not aggressive enough with what they're doing. Their defense is is just a shambles, especially yeah. right on the edges there. Like we saw the Tigers run through them um, two weeks ago there, and they ran, ran in five tries, something like that, in 20 minutes. And the first thing you thought was, right, they're going to watch the video after that, and they're not going to allow that shit to happen again.
1: And mm. then it happened again on the weekend. You think, what are you doing? Yeah, so. and the missed tackle counts are astronomical. They're way like, too high. Yeah, you like you look at them. the missed tackle count in the first 15 minutes of games and you think, oh, wow, something's wrong with that statistic. But it's not. It is really that high. Um, I don't know where Penrith goes because to clean out the club is going to cost them money in terms of their playing roster. They simply cannot let the coach go because it would cost them millions of dollars. I, I'm, I'm stuck with what Penrith do. They really have to dig themselves out of this hole. And if they could do that, I think they would have done that already. Well, it's the thing. I mean, if you had to do
0: a clean-out, who would you actually get rid of? And furthermore, who would you replace them with? And yeah, yeah, We're and dealing with me. some top quality talent on that Panther side.
1: Yeah. And to upgrade on what you have got there is a it's a tall order. Yeah. Like I I don't even blame the black the, the backs that much. Um it's just the forwards. I'd be looking at all the forwards. I think that there are guys in that forward pack that aren't putting in, they're getting ripped up the middle of the field every single game. It's just when as a fan it's disgusting to watch the effort that they're putting in and i would probably just be looking to change some plays in that forward pack um but you know who do you replace them with it it's oh, it's a rotten situation to be in as a fan because it's not even as though you're looking at the team and you're like we don't just don't have the talent they have all the talent that you need to be good and they're last yeah
0: That's right. They they are a genuine top four side, and they're sitting Mm. dead last. Mm.
1: I can see we're we're probably uh, the the count is on, and I reckon we're three rounds away from me just going fucking nuts on the podcast about Penrith. It's coming. I think three
0: more losses, especially if they happen in a row, Mm. season over. You're not going to get into the finals with, with 11 losses to your name after 13 rounds. Nope, not at all. Um, you're gonna struggle to get there now. Yeah, so, I,
1: well I personally think their season's done
0: now. It pretty much um, is. And this is the thing, okay, if those forwards are putting in, then Penrith would be sitting, you know, sitting pretty in probably about fourth or fifth position. Mm-hmm. And everyone would be saying, Yeah, clear is a great coach. Yep. Yep. At the same time though, it's his job to get him up, to get those forwards up and, and playing to their best and it's just not happening. And it surprises me because he had um we won't beat around the bush. The Ford pack that he assembled at the West Tigers last year wasn't as brimming full of class as the one he's got this year at Penrith. Mm. And look at some of the performances he got out of that side. They, they beat the Storm twice. They beat the Roosters once early on in the season. They almost beat the Broncos. They got robbed in Golden Point. You know, they were sitting in third or fourth place on the ladder after about seven weeks. And they they had, undoubtedly, the toughest opening 10 weeks of the competition. And yet they were sitting there in third place on the ladder or thereabouts mm-hmm. he got that forward pack to overperform and overachieve you know for two bloody months and yet he's got a, a better more classier with more depth forward pack where he's at the moment and he can't get him up at all to perform just at what their median should be you know let alone above it yeah it's just it's just crazy i, I don't know i can't sit there and blame cleary fully either for it either because we know what he's capable of doing so you don't know where the where the blame lies there.
1: Yeah, it's they're just in a really bad spot. I and the change has to come from within because there's no change coming externally. What he should do is take the take the team on that that buy round they've got coming up. Go over to England
0: mm-hmm. and play against some League 1 side, say mm-hmm. West Wales Raiders or like Leeds Rhinos. <laughs> And uh, just rack up a cricket score so the team can go, okay, we know we can win and we know we can score points. Mm. Come back, and you probably find they play a hell of a lot better because they've just been playing with a bit more confidence then. Sure, it's against weaker opposition, but sometimes mm. sometimes success just breeds more success. doesn't matter who it's against. And I think the, yeah. the Panthers have just gone too long without actually feeling like they've earned to win because the two wins they've had this year, they weren't. They weren't wins that they earned. They were pretty average games. Yeah, they
1: really were. And look, li- losing becomes a habit. That's and right. They're in that habit right now, and I would guess that they probably finish third from last on the ladder. But their season, in my opinion, is completely over. As a Panthers fan, I've seen other Panthers fans on Twitter. We're all so devastatingly disappointed with this season. I think we're all a little bit numb to it at this stage and the club really needs to do something. I wouldn't be shocked if you see their um, home game crowds really drop off dramatically because, I mean, it just will mirror the performance of, of a lot of their side and they'll have no-one to blame but themselves for that. Um Just devastating as a Panthers fan. I'm really disappointed. I thought that we were going to be really good this year, and we're not. And hopefully it can be turned around next season. But this year, for me, is done already, which just sucks. Well, they've got two winnable games coming up. But they're
0: playing Parramatta at the new Bankwest Stadium, Mm. which has proven to be quite a happy place for Parramatta to play at. Mm -hmm. And then they've got Manly. Who, Manly's playing bloody good too. Yeah, I mean. they're not playing badly. I mean, they had a good mm-hmm. win on the weekend without Cherry Evans in the side against. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, mean, I must admit, it was obviously a uh, a Shark side. They still got a few players out with injuries, but that Shark side was in the top eight, so it's not like they're playing bad footy either. Yeah. So it was a, still a good win by Manly there. Um. So, and then after that, they've got the Roosters and South in a row. <sighs> That's it. So
1: they're,
0: they're done. They're so they, done. If they're a chance, if they want to be a chance at all this year, they need to beat Parramatta and Manly in the next two weeks. And then they've got to beat the Roosters and South. Yeah. You know, uh. it's just... It's hard work. I can't see them see them getting up from here. So, yeah, they need to just start going right. We need to change what we're doing, change things up, do it now, and so let's start working towards 2020.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I agree And, you know, what can you say? Uh, I'm just so pissed off with it <laughs> Well, we'll go to another team that's that's underperforming to a degree as well And that's Paul Green,
1: the Cowboys Yeah, weird one A very um, weird one They've got a bloody good side They've got a lot of experience They've got a lot of winning experience uh, I don't understand why they're I think that they're starting to play better as the season goes on um, but you know they they need to they need to go on a little bit of a winning streak, and I think that's going to be a little bit difficult because they'll lose a couple of players for origin at least a couple of players um and there's been talk of unrest with Paul Green I think green's fine i don't think his job security is under any threat, but it might also be a sign that some of their their winning players and their experienced players, it might be time for them to look to move them on and bring some fresh blood into the to the lineup. Um but they're still a team that can really cause problems for you on the day. And they're a team that knows how to win as well, which is important. And it's half the battle really. So yeah. it's but it's been a funny season for them.
0: It has. And this is the thing is that yeah, some people automatically say, "Oh, you know, it's it's life after Thurston." They're struggling, but if you look at it, this squad that they've got this year, it's playing this year, is has very little difference to it compared to the side that made the grand final in 2017, where Thurston missed nearly all of the season. Yeah, so I I can't sit there and and just accept that it's the Thurston factor, mm-hmm. um, because there's just too many class players in this side for that to be to be a matter. Yes, it'll have some impact, but. They should be doing better. Admittedly, as you said, they have been better in the last few weeks. I mean, they've won three of their last five games. It's not brilliant, but it's better than winning one of their first five. So yeah. things are picking up. Um they do seem to you know, those two of their last two wins were both at home. I and mean, they were against Titans and Parramatta. So they're not immensely powerful opponents. They're pe- yep. the teams they can match up pretty well with. But um yeah, they, they as you said, they do need to go on a bit of a winning run, and they need to start winning games from away
1: from home as well. Um, yeah, that's a big thing. But the good, the good thing is they have turned things around a little bit. And I think that, look, they're not a team that's going to rip anyone apart. I think they're just a team that will put in a really good, solid performance and, and beat you like that. Um, they're not the sort of team that's going to rack up 50 points against anyone, I don't think. And... But the fact that they did turn it around, I think, is the sign of not only the players stepping up a bit more, but but good coaching. And, you know, the people that are critical of Paul Green, I think they've gone off a little bit early on him. Um, I think that he will bring some younger players in towards the end of this season and try and mix things up a little bit. But at the moment, you know, I I wouldn't be too worried about the, the North Queensland Cowboys. I think they can make the top eight maybe in about seventh position, something like that. Um, because I, I really do. They're the sort of team that puts in good effort. They know how to win. Winning is a habit as well, and, and they've got that habit.
0: Yeah, they're probably going to – if they win all of their home games, they're going to need to win probably two or three away ones as well Yeah, um, to, to make it into the finals, which is
1: still definitely doable. And they, um, do they move into their new stadium? Is it this year? I think Can it's next pre- year. Okay, next year. Okay. I think so. There's, that new stadium is going to be bloody good for that club. It looks really nice. Yeah. No, it's, it's going to be
0: pretty immense. Um, the only issue I've got with Paul Green is there's um, one player, and that's Cohen Hess. And it looks like mm. Cohen Hess has, I wouldn't say gone backwards, I'd say he's plateaued. Mm-hmm. And he's, he's only young. And as we know, a lot of forwards seem to hit their straps when they get to their late 20s. Yeah. And he's still about four or five years away from that. Yeah. But given how how much impact he started his career with and the fact that he made made origin after what half a dozen after a dozen or fifteen games or something like that yeah um shows just how good he was and the expectation for him, and the fact that he's just sort of not moved on from there just sort of stayed around the same spot um i I'd kind of hope that Green would be able to yeah Fire him up and get him up to that next level, and sort of get him playing a bit more because he needs another enforcer out wide on the edges there. And Hess should be that person, but he's just not. He's just not having that same impact as he did in previous seasons there.
1: No, and he, it's almost as though they need to like you know take him out bush with a couple of people that eat just you know raw meat for a living. You know, get him get him out bush with like Gordon Tallis or someone who's just going to be just be pumped up the whole time and if they could get him playing with some fire and some passion he'd be once again be a really horrible player to play against it is kind of weird that he's dropped off so much and you've got to wonder why that is and sometimes look sometimes people uh, players are dealing with um and I'm not I'm not saying this is what the problem is but sometimes Players are dealing with things in their personal lives or whatever it is. Maybe he's carrying an injury that we don't know about. There just seems like there's something that is is almost holding him back a little bit. I think that he will turn it around. Oh, he I mean, will, yeah, yeah. At his best, he's a he's. I mean, he was bloody good. He's an Origin player. Um, you just got to wonder when that happens, and the sooner it happens, the better for the Cowboys because he really becomes a weapon for them. Um, and they really need him to fire. I'd love to see him really step up and do that, you know, starting with, you know, these, these next few games because it would be a good sign for who he is as a player.
0: I'd I'd put him on KPIs and say, right, your KPI targets are whatever Tom Malolo does in a match.
1: Oh, yeah, that's a good idea, yeah, and have him chasing him.
0: Yeah, because he could do it. I know, I know he's got that in him. If you made him start a game in the back row and said, right, you, you've, got to, you've got to match JT up the front there, mm. I reckon he'd go close to matching him. Even if he got you know, 75% of what Tom Malolo does, that's immense.
1: Yeah, and maybe, yeah, that's a good idea, and maybe make him realise that, I mean, as a team, and I'm talking about the team as the forwards, like if him and Tom Malolo are firing... It no one's luck. having fun playing against them. Nah, like, good they, luck. They, they, yeah. yeah, they're like the opposite of Aaron Woods. It's like you're going to have sleepless <laughs> <that's> nights. <not. laughs> he'll he'll, Aaron Woods will be your pillow to help you have those sleeves. Yeah, yeah. Aaron <laughs> Woods will be sitting there kissing you on the forehead and stroking your hair saying, Go, it's, it's okay, it's okay. <laughs>
0: <laughs> all right, well, speaking of softly spoken.
1: Yes. Next is Des Hasler. And, first of all, how good's his hair? Like a coach shouldn't have hair that good and it's it should lustrous. at least be going great. And it's, yeah, it's lush and thick and my goodness. like he, Does he not worry about football at all? It's
0: lustrous hair. Yeah.
1: The man is a walking shampoo, you advert. He really
0: is.
2: Like he's but, um, worth
0: it. And let's be honest, he given the amount of turmoil surrounding mm. his departure from the Bulldogs, he is really flying under the radar this year. He I, is. I wasn't yeah. talking about Hasler at all.
1: The thing yeah. is, though, he he has. And if somebody had said to me, "How what do you rate Des Hazler as a coach?" and after seeing the garbage he did at the the Bulldogs, I'd say he's done. Yeah. He, he maybe at Manly is a good situation, and then when he went to the Bulldogs and he he had to build it himself and all that, it was just he was shown up as coach. Um, but. He's gone to an a a manly team that isn't all that impressive in terms of the lineup and they're playing their asses off. They're playing great. I think Hasler's
0: the sort of man who performs best when there's chaos around him. Yeah. And I think that was the problem at the Bulldogs, there wasn't enough chaos. So he was trying it's to create settled, something. Yeah. He was trying to create a bit, you know, oh let's get the salary cap all out of whack and let's just do this and do that. Let's just screw everything up and then I'll start winning games. Um, whereas that Manly, you know, they had the problem with the board and salary cap issues and players misbehaving. He's like, oh, this feels like home. I just got to make sure I bring my own chair, so I've got somewhere to sit when I'm here. But you know, exactly. Um, it just he just seems to thrive at Manly, and despite all the crap that goes on at the club, it's just really odd. But um, yeah, he's managed to get a bunch of yeah. There's barely any stars in that side, and when even when the stars in that side are missing, he still gets them to perform. It's almost and not very close, but it's almost the same thing that Bellamy's able to achieve with his squad there. It's crazy how I'm making that link, but I'm not saying that Des is anywhere near Bellamy. I'm just saying there's a similarity in the fact You that... just did. You just did. Know. I'm trying to talk myself out of the hole I just dug for myself. But I'm just digging another <laughs> hole inside the hole.
1: I'm you know, call just... this episode, Andrew said Des Hasler is like Craig Bellamy. <laughs> 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 yeah. I will not even try and go any further than that. I think uh, I
0: made my point immensely poorly. <laughs> Shot myself in the foot seven times. But, yeah,
1: yeah he really is. He's getting the best out of a lot of players that you kind of see them performing and you're like, well, who's this guy? I've never heard of this dude before. Yeah. It's really shocking to see. And as you say, there's a lot of chaos at the club. I mean, there's reports that have come out just today that the Penn family... Uh, might be in negotiations with the company, and I think it's called URM, who is one of their sponsors, yep. and the people that um, own that company might be looking to pay the money that you know has been rumoured um, to be how much the club is worth. That will be interesting if that goes through because it will mean that Manly will stay at Manly. Um, most likely, anyway. So, but yeah, there's a, a lot of chaos around that club and he just, he's got them firing. It's fantastic for, for the sea Eagles because they really needed that right now, especially with all the talk about their stadium. Everyone's hating on their stadium. Um, if the club's up for sale and if they had been playing really poorly it would have been a bit of a disaster for the Seagulls and the shining light is the way they're playing. They're putting in so much effort in these games and that's fantastic to see. Yeah, he's got him back being an 80-minute side too,
0: which Mm -hmm. is um, something they missed when he left. Um, Yeah. Yeah. What he's managed to do, especially with the uh, the forwards and the outside backs there, um, the outside backs are a lot of unknowns and yet he's still... He's still getting wins despite not having Daly Cherry-Evans and Tom Trbojevic in the
1: side. I mean, that's just you've got to turn off your hat to him and say, mate, that you're doing a swint job there. Yeah, and they they also missed out on not signing someone they weren't pursuing in Clint Gutherson too, so yeah. a, that was a big loss they didn't have. <laughs> <laughs> that's right, all that money they saved. Yeah. They that they weren't on, planning on spending on him,
0: yeah. They, they, can, they can spend it on Mitch Moses now.
1: Ah, to would be fantastic. <laughs>
0: <laughs> um, next is uh, Stephen Kearney, the uh, one-season wonder. Mm, we did an episode on him as well. Yeah. he's uh, He's got no excuses. He's gotten all of New Zealand to draw talent from, and yet the Warriors are outside the top eight, so you know, he's got a history of being outside the top eight. Mm-hmm. You know, he's winning at 40% this year, which I think is probably slightly higher than his career average. So yeah, I mean, is. that, that could is. be something to hang your hat on. But at the moment, the Warriors are just so wildly inconsistent um, and inconsistent in every way humanly possible. One week, the forwards don't turn up. One week, the backs are struggling. One week, the halves are all over the shop. One week, they win by 50 <laughs> or 40. Just go... You can't you can't pin them
1: down. You don't know what's going on there. And it's weird because I on the weekend I called the reserve grade match between the Penrith Panthers and the the New Zealand Warriors, and the reserve grade teams kind of play like the first grade teams. They're just inconsistent, and they turn on and off. Uh, Adam Blair played in that game, and he was pretty bad. He, he was he would not get a call up to first grade going by what he was doing. Um, T- Harris Tavita or Tavita Harris, I always get his name mixed up. He played really well. He stood out. And so it's not like they don't have talent. I mean, there was a number of first-grade players in that reserve-grade team for the Warriors, but they're just so inconsistent. And Kearney's been there a long time now. I personally think that it, it's time for a change. I I just think he's he's had his run, um, and we as as we said, we talked about him quite a lot a couple of episodes ago. You know, the time's up for him. Yeah, I mean, I I personally have this opinion that
0: um, when a coach is in his third year, mm. that's the time when he's he's settled in. He's finally managed to get the squad he wants, and they've got a bit of cohesion. And that's the time when they should be looking to put in their best performance of that coach's reign. Yeah. Um.
1: This is third year and it's looking like it's going to be worse than last year. So, and look they played the they played great against the Panthers, but everyone's looked great against the Panthers this year. So, except the Tigers, except the Tigers, yeah, that's true. But uh, how good are our (laughs) teams going? Jeez, (laughs) what a time! Why couldn't we start a podcast when they were winning? Yeah, that would have been good. Good When was that? Two thousand and ten. My team was in the top four last year, man. Yeah, but mine wasn't. <laughs> uh, could you imagine if we were doing a podcast last year when they sacked Griffin? It would have been great. Anyway, we're not talking about the Panthers. Ugh.
0: We'll move on to uh, Michael Maguire now. Mm. and uh, Yeah, look, he's let's let's start with, with the obvious sack, which, which is being ignored a lot. He's coming to a club which got the clean-out it needed to have thanks to Ivan Cleary, mm-hmm. and he cleaned out a lot of things that needed to be done, not just the roster, but you know, some of the assistant coaches and stuff like that. Um, the club also had some management changes, not anything to do with the clear of those ones, just through utter stupidity. <laughs> uh, but uh, but it's been a, a clean out that the clubs needed and it's helped them get in the right direction. And maguire has been able to move in essentially with a clean slate. All he's got is the roster to work with. Nothing else is a concern for him. Everything else is set in place. Mm-hmm. He's just got to work with the roster. He's got quite a few of them off contract at the end of the year. So mm-hmm. everyone at the moment is playing for us, playing for a, you know, a job, I guess. And that's making it, I dare say, interesting for him because I think the Tiger side has a lot of players who would normally be depth players. And they're yeah. performing pretty damn well. So if he was to lose a few and keep some of those well-performing depth sort of players... It will free up a bit of coin for him to buy some, you know, more top line guys. I guess to put him in the side, like Mitchell Moses. Um,
1: I triggered boy. you. I triggered Why? you,
0: didn't I? <laughs> Why? Why? We don't need that. We don't need that. No, 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 <laughs> no, no, not Mitchell Moses. Besides, <laughs> I don't think the club would have enough money for Moses. No, nah, he's he's gonna he's been offered a and, million 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 dollars and, just and if, they, that, if they do have the money for Mitch Moses, then Mitch Moses is not asking for enough. Yeah, <laughs> 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 it's the best way to put that. Um, yeah, the problem the only problem that that McGuire's got moving forward is he's got to replace Farah and Marshall. Um, Reynolds, I think, has one more year left, maybe two. I've got to check that. Um, but Reynolds has, has yet to really stamp his place in the side, basically because of all of his injuries. Um, yeah. But there's already there's already some sort of talk going around about trying to get Farah to stay on for another year, which, based on the way he's playing at the moment, he he most definitely could do another season. Yeah, definitely. And they kind of need him to, given that they just don't have a
1: backup for him. Hmm. Yeah, uh, and like he's he's playing fantastic and physically. Um, playing as well as he ever has. I think when you look at an older player, sometimes you can look at their defence and their effort plays and things, and they start to drop off just because they can't get to where they want to be. And Farah's not like that. Farah's where he wants to be. He's doing all the things you can say he wants to do. And I think that he's definitely got another season in him. I don't know that I would offer him a two-year contract, but I nah. think keeping Hungary on a one-year contract and saying, look, have one for the road um, is very much well worth it. thing I like about what Maguire is doing, and we've said this with a few coaches, he's getting the best out of that team. I mean, if that if you go into the start of the year and you looked at their lineup and you said, well, they're probably, you know, bottom four side just on talent and they're well above that at the moment, um, it's been a sensational job by Maguire. And I just hope that they're Tigers give him enough time with, putting together the team that will end up being his team, if they do that, they're going to reap a lot of rewards, because I really rate him as a coach I oh, likewise, and I mean he he
0: busted that side in the off season, probably harder than they've ever been trained, anyone in that club's ever trained before to be honest mm-hmm. um, and it's it's kind of that mentality that the club needed, that they've got to start to realise, they've got to work harder, they can't just sort of you know, fluke it and shit just happens, you know, they've got to start busting their backsides to get what they want. Yeah. Um so it's been good to see. And to be honest, he's he came because of the timing with Cleary leaving, um, he didn't really get a chance to form a squad that he wanted this year. So mm-hmm. this probably isn't I wouldn't even declare this as his official first season, despite the fact that it is. Like I'd say the first season a coach gets is when he gets in there and he mucks around with the roster and gets some of the players he wants in there, and he hasn't had mm. that opportunity yet. Yeah, but that's a a bonus in his regard because I still think he he deserves he deserves three years as of from you know as of from now. So I'll give him twenty, twenty one, and twenty two just mm-hmm. automatically because I think he's going to
1: need that to turn in turn the side into what he wants. But- it's going to be interesting to see who he targets with who's coming off contract. Um, I would like to to see him be able to make a few moves for himself for going into next year um but we'll see we'll see who the club because it's not just him it's the club as well I mean they sometimes there's problems with the tigers attracting talent and if he can attract talent it'll it'll be really great for the club and you know it'll be interesting to see what type of team he wants to put together
0: yeah i I dare say there's um There'll be a bit of a push for him to get probably one or two props because I think we've got one or two coming off contract. Mm-hmm. And I think he might let them go to frip a bit of coin and get some, maybe some younger props in the side. We don't want Tamo?
1: To... Well, you can have Tamo. I'll drive him there right now. Could, could we get him for five bucks? <laughs> Fucking hell,
0: you're pushing a hard
1: price now. Well, play.
0: You've got to remember, our, our cap may not be... Um, Fully available because of because of potato doing some some stupid deal.
1: Oh yeah, that's right. I forgot about that. You've got Robbie yeah. Farah as the president of everything going forward. <laughs> so you got to pay him like a million bucks a year or something to yeah. make up for it. I forgot about that. Eat Damn, some Potato.
2: Yeah.
1: Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> um, Speaking but- of potatoes, yeah. Oh, the next guy
0: potatoes. <laughs> Paul McGregor. Yeah. We married him McGregor. Well, look, he, um, he did the smart thing because the dragons have a, a long and storied tradition. This dragon's mob anyway, St. George of of being absolute guns in the first eight weeks of the competition. Mm. And he was smart enough to bank in on that and get a contract extension in that period. Mm-hmm. Smart operator, Paul McGregor,
1: Um oh. I think he's so, there until 20, 2057 or something like that. I don't know what the deal was. It was pretty lengthy. Yeah. I think that they they did it when they sat down to negotiate his contract, they had to project the, how long humans are going to live for in 80 years. So he's signed through until he's about 130 years old. Something like that, yeah. Yeah. It's know,
0: like, me- medical uh, advances will mean that the expectancy of life will go on a bit further. You don't want to take the risk of not signing him for long enough.
1: Exactly. I mean, they'll never bring his hair back, but at least he'll, you know, die a very, very old person. Um, and it'll be the same game plan in twenty seventy one as it is right now. Possibly, yeah. I, Just I, smash him
0: to death with
1: forwards,
0: and then and kick I the corner. Watch,
1: I loved watching them play, and I, I don't know if we talked about it on the podcast, but I said that um, those, their style of play was fantastic to watch. They were overwhelming teams, but you can't keep it up for a whole season. You end up being beaten up yourself, and I think we're starting to see that now. They just look slower. They look sluggish. They look like a team that is a little bit busted, and that loss on the weekend was absolutely atrocious to the Knights. Um, The thing is, though, they just re-signed him, and it's it's right there with Brad Arthur's contract has been – the most stupid contract because no one was looking at Paul McGregor. No one else was going to sign him. I don't know why you would just wait a little bit and see because they're now four and six this season. And, it you know, if they have a bad month from now on and they just look so tired and busted and stuff, it's not out of the realms, realm of possibility. This side that has a heap of talent in it, a whole lot of talent, could be looking from the outside in when it comes finals time, which is outrageous for how much talent they've got.
0: Yeah, no, I fully agree. There's, they've got to change their game plan. It's too, too simplistic and too easy to defend. Mm-hmm. And we're starting to see that now. Yeah. Um, Problem is, he's been doing it forever, and it seems to be the only
1: thing he knows. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> how many years has he been coaching them now? I didn't click on, I didn't click on him. Let's have a look. Uh, Twenty fourteen, he started there. Wow, that is unbelievable. Like, I'm rubbing my forehead thinking about that. But that's uh, that's terrible. That's really bad. Who gave him that contract? That's so stupid. Why would they do that? This is a privately owned club. Like, if I was the owner of that club, I'd pull in whoever gives him that contract and i just tell them to pack their shit. So if they were to get rid of him,
0: would they bring in another
1: um, former player to be their coach? I know, I eh? Like, they love <laughs> promoting from within. It's like, maybe you should stop doing that. How's that working out for you? Because who's, there's, there's only one coach I know of who's currently not
0: coaching who's a former Dragons player.
1: Mm-hmm. You know? I think we recently did a podcast episode about him. Oh, no. Go. Go. Look, just everyone should go back to the previous podcast, right, and listen to it, and you'll get our opinion on that coach. We won't even tell you who it is.
0: So is Paul McGregor better or worse than him, though? No, I'd still take (laughs) take McGregor. I'd still (laughs) take McGregor every day. I reckon the Dragons are looking at going, we can only pick former players as coach. These are our two options. <laughs> okay, yeah. you signed here, Paul, for 50 years. We don't want to take that
1: alternative yeah. risk. <laughs> it's either you or him. Just sign, please. <laughs> the thing about Paul McGregor, and we were looking at this the other day, He's over his coaching career at the Dragons, very few times have they been smashed. They've always been in these games, or at least kept their score pretty close. But they got smashed by the Knights. They got absolutely whipped by them. And that's a real bad sign. Um, Yeah. Well, at least this I mean, I don't know when he's re-signed till, but it's uh, just a terrible move. What were they thinking?
0: Speaking of uh, Knights, we'll go to a former Knights player next, and that's uh, John Morris. Yeah. Rookie, kid, coach. The only one who's in his uh, 30s, I think, still coaching, or starting now coaching. Yeah. Took over in January. Um, had zero preparation. He was the assistant coach before. Um, club was in a bit of turmoil after Flanagan got the arse. Had every uh,
1: reason to fail. Every and reason then,
0: you could want. Yeah, had all the off-season dramas, the whole bloody sharks and the yacht club stuff. and mm-hmm. um, Then you throw in the fact that he had a bunch of injuries to key players to start the season with, like Wade Graham's been out so far. Um, start
1: signing, injured, out of form.
0: Yeah, um, you know, Luke Lewis retired in the off-season, which is a massive blow.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, so everything could everything that could go wrong pretty much has, and yet here he is. They're, they've won five games. They've lost five. Um, they've had some pretty bloody stunning performances. They're mm-hmm. just sitting outside the top eight, just on points differential, and it's only by two points. Um, I mean, look, they beat... They racked up 42 points against the Cowboys. They come from behind to beat Penrith in a game that Penrith should have won. They beat mm-hmm. the Storm two weeks ago in a bloody stunning effort um, and then beat the Titans a week after that. Just And he's brought through a host of young players. Yeah. Um, just an absolute ton of them. And they all look like they're, they're the sort of players they can build a squad around moving forward for the next you know six, seven years. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's not bringing them through in a rush, but he's bringing them through in dribs and drabs, and they all get a game on their own and, you know, every now and then, and he's not it's not just one-offs. They're all getting a few games. Um, I like what he's doing.
1: Yeah, I, I think he's the coach of the year so far, and I know his record isn't outstanding, but the job he's had to do with, you know, it's not even as though the players that aren't injured have been his solid lineup. He's always been forced to change these lineups through injuries and all sorts of stuff. And they're performing. He's got them playing hard. No one's having easy games against the Sharks. And it is what he has done has been incredible. It's absolutely incredible. He's got nine players
0: in the side already this year who are 23 years or younger.
1: Yeah. And like he took over somebody else's team. And it was an ageing side, like a, a worryingly ageing side. Yeah. And you're watching them just, well, you know, a few months into the season and there's all of these youngsters that he's bringing in and they've got experience now. And I am absolutely shocked at how well he's done. Um, yeah, I, I fully expected him to have have
0: a bad season because mm-hmm. it's totally expected. He's got so many injuries, so many changes going on, and he's got... Next to no opportunity to get himself affiliated with the role in any way. He only had two months before the season started, really. Mm. And to have done this,
1: um, phenomenal,
0: absolutely yeah. phenomenal.
1: Yeah, definitely the coach of the year. And you know, I expect the Sharks will make the eight for sure, especially when they get some of their their players back. Um, I th- also think by the end of the year, the the best lineup for the Sharks will not, not be the lineup that you would have gone into the start of the year thinking was their best lineup, because he is he's got their youngsters playing well, and I think they're cementing their, themselves in this lineup now. Um, I couldn't praise him highly enough. I thought that he was going to be a bit of a makeshift coach. I wouldn't have been shocked at the start of the year if he had been replaced mid-season just because they'd got. Maybe somebody that they'd wanted instead, but no, he, he's been phenomenal. And as I said, he's my coach of the year candidate right now by a quite quite a distance. Um, wow, unbelievable performance! There's even been rumours in the last month or
0: so, quite ones, that Tim Sheens is being you know looked at as a um, as a replacement for Morris because they see Morris as as you said an interim coach, but I'd, I'd be holding off on that. If if you're going to bring Tim Sheens to the club, don't make him coach. Make him like a coaching director. It's sort of like the role that Gould had at Penrith there. Mm-hmm. Because Sheens is very good. As much as I had my criticisms for a long time about him, the one thing I never criticised him for was his work with juniors and getting juniors into the first grade side. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously we're seeing the Sharks got a lot of great great young players there. And... Sheens would fit perfectly into a role where he's mentoring those guys and getting them up to first grade. And um plus Josh, John Morris has worked under under Sheens before, plays as a mm-hmm. player and coach. So it wouldn't be a bad relationship. That would be the only way I'd accept Sheen's coming to the Sharks. I would not have him replacing Morris as the coach. I think <sighs> he's I think if you get him through this year and get him to start picking the team he wants, because mm-hmm. next year he's gonna have a bit of cash to play with, because Gallon's gonna be retiring at the end of the year. Yeah, he's going to have a bit of money to play with to try and buy one or two other players here or there if he needs to. Um, but there's not much he needs to do with that squad. It's pretty damn good, and mm-hmm. he's just got to If he's got a little bit of guidance above him to help him learn some of the other aspects of coaching, I've got no doubt that he'll be able to keep this this shark side in the top eight, which would be a phenomenal effort. Would you sign him
1: to, Would you sign him to a contract extension right now? I'd I'd give him two more years. I would give him two more years as well. I was that's exactly what I was thinking. I he's shown me enough already and I want to see what he can do with this side going forward. Um two more years sounds good to me as well, yeah. Absolutely. All
0: right, who we got next? We've got Dean Pay at the Bulldogs. Now, mm. yeah, poor old Pay's come into a situation similar to Morris, but obviously worse, way worse, yeah. Um and this is his first year where he's actually getting to, well, not really do what he wants, but he's still he's starting to get a better idea of the juniors he's got around and, and starting to form the side he wants for the long term future.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, and I think he's uncovered some pretty good talent as well. Yeah, uh, he doesn't have he doesn't have the roster that obviously the Flanagan's got to work. Uh, sorry, that Josh Morris has got to work. John Morris has got to work with. I'll, I'll get it right. <laughs> um. But what he has brought through has been pretty impressive. He's got, I mean, Jaden O'Connor looks like he's going to be an absolute gun for years out there on the wing. Mm-hmm. Um, Remus, Remus Smith has come along in leaps and bounds already this year. Um, Meany looks pretty solid at the back. You know, if he can hang on to these guys and keep them there, he's going to have a pretty good core of players to work with.
1: And all he's got to do is just, um, I suppose, a little bit more beefing up in the forwards. And yeah, yeah it's weird because I don't know that they're going to be able to to attract talent to the club in terms of top of the line players because of the salary cap situation that they have to work with. Like I would dare say that they're probably working with far less in terms of how much of their salary cap is actually on the field right now, because they'll be playing a lot of players that aren't actually there anymore. Um, And, like the it's in talent wise, I would suggest that it is the worst roster by quite some way in the NRL. And had they not won a game this season, I I still wouldn't have held it against him. But they've won some games, and they've the thing about this team is they try hard. And you know, there's some of the youngsters have made mistakes at times, but this is a real like when they gave him a contract extension, I had no problems with it. At all. Um, he's gonna they're gonna need time to build this team back up and they're gonna be doing it with one hand tied behind their back. And I think Dean Pace so far seems like the sort of coach that he's willing to take a few chances, he's willing to allow players to fail if needed, but they're gonna try. They're gonna try in every match, and that's something that you, you know, it would be really easy for them to just be rolling over and dying and they're not. Yeah. Uh, they're um they they just keep fighting
0: and that's it's I suppose that's sort of the um mentality of the club when Dean Pay was playing too is that you just you never stop you never stop uh, working and you never stop trying even if you're down by fifty you keep busting your backside mm-hmm. the thing that's fascinating for me too is that um he's not a renowned attack coach and in his time at the Dogs they they've had the worst attack but they've got the second worst attack this year and the team that they're a bit above. We won't mention them, but they should be. They should have scored probably a hundred points more than they have already this year.
1: I feel like so, I know who you're talking about.
0: Yeah, so <laughs> he's done some pretty phenomenal stuff. Yeah, um, and it's it's he's it going to get better. I mean, it's an
1: improvement already on last year. Mm-hmm. So Definitely. he's going in the right direction. Yeah, you know what's really weird? When I looked at D, Dean Pay before, and I was looking at his overall coaching record, I had no idea he coached all of last year. In my head. He took over from Hasler mid-season, but it wasn't like that at all. And I don't know why that was in my head like that. Just goes to show how sometimes your memory fails you.
0: Yeah, it uh, can do. It can do. Mm. Um, I've lost this page I was looking at here. Right next is um, Trent Robinson. Yeah. Now, uh, possibly, possibly the only coach with a safer seat than than you reckon.
1: I reckon that they would be pretty close to each other. Um, you know, he's, there's a bunch of things I like about Trent Robinson's Number, Trent Robinson, number one is that he's travelled. You know, he's not just a coach that, there's some of these coaches that they retire and then they become assistant coaches for mainly Sydney clubs. And there's a few in Brisbane as well that have done this. And they kind of, expect to be anointed because it's their time. And Trent Robinson didn't do that. He went and he found coaching jobs that weren't perfect, but it gave him an opportunity to show what he can do. And everywhere he's been, he's been really good. And I think that he's just showed at the Roosters and look, he's had a lot to work with, but they've had faith in him even when they've they've gone poorly at times. And he's always proven that he can coach a top side, and it's remarkable and I think one of the reasons is because he is a traveled coach, and he's not just one of these people that have stayed in a very small bubble he he he's a a really great great coach,
0: yeah, very smart too like i 've seen a few interviews with him where he's talking about um you know some of the plays and some of the things they do and um very very intelligent man Mm. um so i i see him having a long career there i think he's got that job as long as he wants it
1: yeah yeah and doing a fantastic job this season with the roosters uh they're you know one of the top two sides they had that amazing game on the weekend against the uh the broncos which was just it was maybe the game of the season they lost it but hell of a game and yeah, Trent Robinson. There's not much you can really say about him. Just fantastic. Yeah. Speaking of the Broncos, mm. Anthony Siebold. Okay, this the is
0: question the I got. I was say the question I got for you. Yes. Is he a good coach or is he a myth?
1: I don't know yet. I think that he's. I think he's got a team that you need to give him time with. I think that he is slowly improving their play. That As I said, that game on the in the last round was absolutely phenomenal. But I don't know how I rate him as a coach yet. I don't think he's a terrible coach, but I don't know if you could say he's a great coach. I think that um, we will find out, and his career is just too young to work it out yet. Well, so far with the
0: Broncos, he's only won games at Suncorp Stadium. I didn't know that. Yeah, so he won, in, won against the Cowboys in round two. Beat the Sharks in round seven. Then Manly last week, Magic Round, as much as it's an away game, of was still at Suncorp. Mm-hmm. Uh, sorry, that was two weeks ago. And last week against the Roosters. Um, the Roosters, though, is the first win they've had this year that was properly impressive against mm-hmm. a full-strength, strong, um, impressive side. Uh, beating yeah. the Cowboys, the Sharks, and Manly, who all had a ton of injuries or, you know, were out of form or whatever they they weren't as impressive as what they managed to do on the weekend.
1: Yeah, and we've been talking about, and I don't know if we said it on the podcast, that this Broncos side, they were going to hook it up eventually. They were going to figure it out. And when they did, there were going to be a lot of teams that they'd been beaten by this season that were thankful that they didn't work it out against them. And part of me feels like maybe they worked it out against the Roosters because they were just incredible. I mean, everyone played good. Even Darius Boyd looked like a first grader again for at moments in the game. Um, really, they're going to be... If they keep playing even half as well as they did against the Roosters, they're going to be the sort of team that no one wants to face. Um, they were phenomenal. It was such a good game. You yeah, know, uh,
0: th- there's no reason why they're not going to... They shouldn't finish in the top five or six every single year, so... Mm-hmm. um hopefully for for the Broncos fans sake he's able to to work off the back of that that performance and keep that current uh, run of
1: form going because they've won three of their last four games now so yeah. they're starting um, to get get it right and then I will say this about Seibold I think the off-field rumors and shit that he has had to put up with up in Brisbane has been disgraceful um every former Bronco player and everybody attached to the media up there surrounding the club, they do just this cycle of shit that they throw at whoever is coaching the Broncos. It's unbelievable, and I think he's really held his head up high during all of it, and they won't give him credit no matter what, I don't think, but I I just think I was impressed by the way that he handled a lot of that
0: crap yeah, I, I agree with that. Um, they should be getting behind him a bit more. Yeah, yeah, you get you get like that if he's had two or three years there and he's still performing results like this, and fair enough. But, you know, mm-hmm. it's his first year. Give him a go, for Christ's sake. Yeah. yeah. Um, and lucky last, good old Ricky Stewart down there in Canberra. Mm. Um, seems to go through these phases where he has, has a stunning season, then a crap one, and a stunning one, and a crap one, and... Looks to have hit on this year. Looks to be a a year where he's got Canberra looking. I'd argue better than they have in a a while. Mm. Um, 2016 was the last time he got them to the, you know, to the finals and looking this good. I think. Um, But I just think they look the side this year looks a lot more. uh, I know solid and stronger. They look like they're playing 80 minutes of football now instead of 75. Yeah, they've got
1: some constitution to them. Yeah, like they, you're not waiting for them to to wilt like they normally do. Like it's very, it's a very different cow. Uh, sorry, Raiders team, um, and it's almost shocking to see. I mean, I still am not sure about them, but I think that that's just the built-in worry about them because of what we've seen in previous years. Because They're definitely playing the best that they've played. Man, they might be playing the best football they've played since those mid-90s teams. And I'm not saying they're as good as those mid-90s teams, but whenever after those mid-90s teams kind of, you know, timed out and retired and everything, they just have always seemed like a pretender to me. And this team, I'm waiting for them to be a pretender, but they're just not. They're playing outstanding football, even in games they lose. Yeah, they're playing with... I think the word I was looking for was they're playing with a lot of steel. Yeah. Um,
0: their defense has been bloody brilliant this year. Like, that's one thing you, I've never really associated with the with the Raiders for a long time was, you know, rock-solid defense. Mm-hmm. They're always just one of those teams that were brilliant with the ball in hand. And you used to even hear in the early 2000s, people would always go about, especially commentators, how great the West Tigers' attack was. And mm. it wasn't. The West Tigers' attack was great on the days when it was on. Yeah. But it was never on every week. Yeah. But the Raiders seem to be one of those teams that could put thirty on you any day you wanted to play them. Yeah, and they've done it several times. They've done it a few times already this year. You know, the, the scoring twenty points for the Raiders is not a hard thing to do. It's almost a chore for them. It's so bloody easy. It's, yeah, uh, and
1: the, the back-to-back efforts that they keep putting in, win, loss, or draw. It's like not that they've had a draw. No one has. But it—that's the thing that's impressed me is that when they have lost games, they haven't been disappointing backing that up. And that's something that Canberra used to do. You know, they'd they'd go on a bit of a win streak and then they'd lose a game and their confidence would fall pretty hard after that. And it's weird because I would never accuse Ricky Stewart of being the sort of coach that really inspires players. Um, I think technically he can be a very good coach, but I don't think he's an inspirational coach to players. But the way they're playing this year, maybe he's turned it around, maybe he's developed as a coach.
0: I've I have heard some people say that he's he's come along as a coach and got a lot better. So it's it's quite true. Um but yeah, I've I've been very impressed by the defence. Um mm. and they've been able to work their attack off that. And they're seeing now that it's easier to score points off the back of good defence than trying to defend a lot of
1: points being scored. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, Uh, they've been very good. Yeah, how do you how do you reckon they'll go in the finals when at the when the pressure's really on?
0: I would, I actually see them getting probably to the third, third or fourth week. Yeah, sorry, third, third, second or third week, fourth week. Based on this
1: form, yeah, I do, I do worry about some of their plays when the pressure's on. Um, I think
0: when they have to come up against guys like.
1: Um, the Roosters,
0: South or Melbourne, which ironically are the three teams above them on the ladder, mm-hmm. I think when they have to come up against them in the finals, and those sides are chock block full of people who are used to that sort of experience and coaches who are used to that experience and winning in that those sort of experience those situations, mm-hmm. um, I think they may struggle this year against that.
1: Yeah, yeah, and as as every other team would like that doesn't make them a special case. Like I think every other team will struggle against those teams at that point. Um, The other thing I wanted to say about the Raiders just in general is how many people they're starting to get to their games. And for all of the other clubs, I mean, Roosters fans, if it isn't exactly 22 degrees and it has to be like a Sunday afternoon, but it's got to be overcast and there can't be anything else happening on in Sydney, they won't turn up to games. Um, whereas it was like five degrees when that game kicked off the other night in Canberra, and there was a bloody good crowd there, and they were into it. And I've got to say, if it was me, I wouldn't have turned up if it was that cold, but Raiders fans are turning up to watch their team, and it's fantastic to see. Yeah, their last three home games have been
0: um, at least 16,000 people have turned up every time. That's incredible.
1: Uh, they, I would love to see the Raiders get an indoor stadium. I don't know the perfect place to have a Raiders stadium. Uh, I don't know. See, I think I think they love playing in that cold weather, and I think yeah. that's
0: the advantage they've got over teams that travel there. Because as soon as that sun dips over the top of the stadium there, the temperature seems to go from about a, a lovely sort of nice 20-odd degrees to about minus 53 in the space of about 30 seconds. Yeah, yeah. And I think they revel in that. Um, so I think if you were to put a lid over it, and it sort of helped the opposition team a bit too much.
1: That's one of the things about Australian Rugby League that we probably miss out on is we don't have too many places you go where the weather is so dramatically different. And Canberra's probably, I would say, the worst of them in terms of the, the cold, I guess. Yeah. North Queensland, in, at the start and the end of the year, you get the heat and the humidity. Um, and maybe New Zealand at times... But everywhere else, it's kind of just normal weather, I guess. To to say that, you know, it's not like in the NFL where you get the places you go and the, you know, you go to Green Bay and the ground is frozen, things like that. Uh, um, Canberra, that that wind, especially in winter, I mean, it goes straight to your bones.
0: It's mm. uh, oh, boy, it's fresh. Yeah. <laughs> righty. Well, we've got one more thing we need to talk about.
1: Oh yes.
0: Um, we've we've. We've had a bit of a tat uh, a tete so to speak, with another podcast out there called The Starting Blocked. Don't, don't put the K on the end. Um, where, I don't know, we've just been a bit friendly with them. And they, they've got this impression that we'll get to the point where we'll just stop responding back. And I'd just like to say, ah, uh-uh, ain't happening. No, not at all. We, we can play this game for as long as we have to. We will fuck up our
1: podcast doing this if we have to.
0: We've even discussed doing a review of the Starting Block podcast episode, and it would just be entirely glowing, except for the bit where they talk about us. (laughs) (laughs) We have no issue doing this whatsoever. There is no length to how far we'll go to talk
1: up the Starting Block podcast. I love them. I love them. You know what? I want to be inside them. I said it. I want to physically be inside them.
0: I, I just want to be cuddled by them.
1: Yeah? Yeah. I, I, I like cuddles. Yeah. See, so <laughs> I I want to, like, I, I want to do more than that. And I think it would be beautiful and loving. <laughs> <laughs> as long as it's reciprocal, I guess, of course.
0: Um, <laughs> I wouldn't want to do it. The... The the names of, give me. My, I I wouldn't want to do it in the the car. One of them had a problem where um the child got sick in the back seat of the car. Oh really? There's oh, vomit geez. everywhere. And yeah. uh yeah, been there, mate. And uh yeah, I I know your pain. And uh yeah, we wouldn't be doing any cuddling in the car. that no. that smell takes a while to get rid of? Yeah. And it's a it's a weird smell. It's a yeah. smell that's it. It sort of lingers the whole time, but it's not until it gets a cold day. And you put the heater on and it just brings those aromas back. So it sort of cools <laughs> it again. It's sort of going,
1: Whoa. oh, that's right. That? Uh, <laughs> how weird is it that some smells just get stuck in your nose too, Uh
0: It never goes away.
1: Yeah. Um,
0: so, yeah, it's, uh... no, nah, mate. Love, love the starting block, love their work. Um, yeah. Well, if you want us to do ads for your for your podcast,
1: just hit us up. We'll we'll do that for you. We're doing one now. Yeah. <laughs>
0: the
1: starting block, no K. It's like a really bad pitcher in major leagues, no K. So starting block, look it up, listen to it, and what you should do is tweet them and tell them how much you love them because of us.
0: Yeah, especially Greeno. He, he he loves
1: he loves being loved. Yeah. I'm, he, I'm he, sure. He needs the love. Like physically needs it. Well, I'm
0: not met the man, and knowing what you know, knowing the last time I looked in a mirror, I'm not going
1: to judge on whether someone needs to be loved more more than me or not. Look, I'll I'll say this because I'm such a big fan of theirs. I haven't met them. Met them. I've more like watched them from a distance. And yeah, he needs the love. Fair enough too.
0: So yeah, he had
1: want... he had his computer wiped. He's talking about his computer being wiped, his work computer being wiped. He's talking about how he lost all his notes. Let me tell you, he didn't talk about it publicly. All that porn gone. Wow, all of his porn.
0: That that's probably the um. Maybe when he said work documents, it was just code for that.
1: Yeah, you know, he put it in a folder <laughs> that says boring work stuff. Yeah. Do not mm. open this full of, yeah.
0: full of Lego mumbo jumbo.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. You, you put it on uh KPI reports or something. What was the thing that they used to say in that movie office works? And he had the reports. What were they called? Damn it. Uh, anyway, look it up, look it up yeah. in the starting block. Cause we Absolutely. love it.
0: Yeah. Get over there. Just get into them. Um, they're on yeah. Twitter at the starting block. Don't add the K. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, listen to their podcast. Fantastic blokes. Great show.
2: Um
0: great chat. And occasionally you get a bit of footy in there. And yeah. that's a that's a little nugget to look out for when that happens.
1: Yeah, it's like a it's like an Easter egg. They'll yeah. occasionally talk about sport, but it's like an Easter egg, you have got to be like, Oh yeah, I saw what you did there. And we're not saying that in
0: a derogatory tone because no. I tune in I tune in because I don't want to listen to so much of the rugby league stuff. Yeah. Um and I love the the rambling and the the bands that they get on with. Fantastic mm. stuff.
1: Mm. So Let's, uh, uh, do it. Follow them. Listen to them. Subscribe to them.
0: But yeah, and we'll be tuning in as we do every week to the starting block to find out if they're going to keep going on. Because if they don't, just still quote from them, we're going to say we've given them all this love and they have given us nothing back. to motherfuckers.
1: Exactly. And look, my, and we'll my followers. We'll start a war on Twitter with them. My followers are <laughs> an absolute pricks. All right. They don't like me. I hate to think what they do to other people that they don't like that I don't like. I'm like geez. Ugh, oh, they'd be fantastic. It's like this is the best podcast beef ever. Because it's like the opposite. It's like a love in.
0: It's a massive love in. There's no mm. grounds for it. We don't no. know why or how it started. But we love that it happened. And we like to every first
1: relationship really. I've been in, really. It's like how how the fuck did this happen? <laughs>
0: just all warm and cozy and lovely um and yeah i must say uh, my twitter followers um completely opposite to yours mate mine are mm. mine are absolutely fantastic humans mm. yeah so you That's know nice. I'm, I'm i'm absolutely bloody chuffed with mine <laughs> <laughs> um on that magnus note this has been a long episode so yeah go go to itunes give us a subscribe subscribe give us a five star rating and um hop over to youtube over there and Subscribe to us over there and like all the videos and stuff. That'd be fantastic. And we'll wrap this one up and we'll catch you all next time.
2: See ya.